0: We are continuing with the theme of resurrection this morning, and uh, the last two weeks, so two weeks ago, Paul Lee preached about the resurrection, and then last week, Ezra preached about the resurrection, and so we've continued to, to walk on this theme of the resurrection, because you have to remember at the end of the day, the Corinthian church, right? very steeped in Greek and in paganism. Did not look favorably upon the resurrection. Why? Because I don't want to stay in this body. This body is bad. I want to get out. Right? And when I die, I'm finally released from this body of death. And so I go back again. I go back to the very beginning and look at the foundation of why and what we believe as Christians. And so in Genesis 126. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. And then just a few verses later, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And so what God has done is God creates us in his own image. You should look at us and we should reflect what God is like. It's like looking into a mirror in which you see your image. That's how we were created. That's what we were created to be, is to be that image. The problem is sin distorts the image. So take a mirror and just take something and just scratch it, and you don't see it well. Sin distorts the image that we were made to be, which was that which is God, and how does that specifically speak to what we're talking about today? Well, I look at this, I mean, my father was alive, he was over at Anne's Choice, and uh I would go over to visit him, and I think one day it hit me where it was just really sad because as I'm walking through, man, I'm seeing people with wheelchairs. I'm seeing people with walkers. I'm seeing people with oxygen, right? And it's just sad because you think to yourself, this is not how it was supposed to be. And even think like several years earlier, these were people who were just walking around. They were vibrant people, and slowly you could see the toll The bodies and that that living in a sinful world was taking on us. And I think at a certain point, it just, it hit me. And I started being sad about this. And so over the last couple of weeks, what we've been talking about is this idea of resurrection. Resurrection. And oftentimes when we think of the gospel, we think of, what is the gospel? People say, well, Jesus died for my sins. Absolutely. But we, we stop right there. There's a second part of that. Not only did Jesus die for my sins, but he did what? Yes, and this is the image, this is the lens through which Paul sees all of life. Not only is it for a physical resurrection, he sees God's fingerprints on everything in terms of death and resurrection. Even the things that happen in my life that I look at, that are not going well, that he can still bring resurrection life from those things too. So it's not just a belief in a physical resurrection. It's also a belief in the resurrection, and that's where he has his hope. In all of life, he sees this pattern playing out, and Christ living this pattern in and through his life. That's the basis of his hope, and that's the basis of his faith. And so when you read his letters... That's why he can sit in a prison and still talk about the joy he has because he sees resurrection coming from that incident right there. This is how he sees all of life. But Paul, so now he's writing to a Corinthian church who is struggling with the belief in resurrection. They say, look, we believe, okay, Jesus died and rose again. Okay, we'll give you that. That's why when Ezra preached last week, he says, unless you believed in vain. You said that you believed in that, right? Okay, we believe in that. We just don't believe it's for us. We don't believe that's going to happen in our lives too. And so he was dealing with people who were struggling to believe in resurrection that way. But he wasn't the only one. Because you look when Jesus was alive, and one of Jesus' best friends, John, he writes this in John 2. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered him, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body, resurrection. They didn't get that. And then he goes in Matthew, the end of Matthew, the next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. We don't even believe this guy is going to be resurrected. We just don't want his his disciples going and stealing his body to say, that he died and rose again. Unbelief in the resurrection. The easy thing for Jesus to do would be to say, I am going to rise spiritually. And when they go to the grave and they see his body, how the heck do you know if he was telling the truth? And so he gave them something that you could prove. You go to the grave and the body was gone. Jesus had died and rose again. And so now we ask the question, but what does this mean to me? And that's what we're going to look at. Today's main point, the big idea, was that Jesus was resurrected bodily, and we will be too. And so I call this sermon, Jesus Did, and So Will We. Jesus did, and so will we. We're going to continue with 1 Corinthians 15. We're getting close to the very end of the letter. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to look at 35 through 58. Let's just pray real quick. Father, we pray. Nobody likes to talk about death. Nobody wants to talk about these topics, Lord, but you have given us a hope, and so we pray that you would open up our eyes and open up our hearts to hear from you today and help us. This be the foundation of how we see all of life, God, through the lens of death and resurrection, death and resurrection, because you are a God of life, not a God of death. And we thank you for this, Lord. And we wait expectantly to hear from you today, and we pray that we would leave here changed, change people. In your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's start with verse 35. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35 says this. And so he's just got done explaining to people and talking about the resurrection. And he says, but someone will ask, well, then how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And so you can see as Paul says this statement right there, what he's doing is saying it in a way in which they're asking these questions. Right? Well, I know that some of you are going to ask, well, then how are the dead raised? And if they're raised, what kind of body are they going to come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars, different from star, in glory. And so what he's doing is the first part of this piece of scripture right here, he's answering the first question. The second part, he's answering the second question. And he's referring to it and giving the example of how seeds and bodies are. And what he says is this. He says, look, bodily resurrection doesn't come unless something is sown and dies. And how do we know? Look at a seed. If I take a seed, I have to take that seed and plant it in the ground. And then when it's planted in the ground, then it grows from there. He says, our bodies are like seeds which grow into resurrection bodies. The body dies, but the body that dies and is placed in the ground is different from the body that is raised from the dead, right? Right? Every seed, every body is different, just like seeds are different. He says, for example, you've got bodies for humans, for animals, for birds, for fish, right? You have different types of bodies. You have different types of seeds, right? And that body that is now going to be be raised is going to be different from that which was planted. Not only that, but you've got different degrees of glory with bodies too. Think about the sun. The sun is bright. You've got the moon, a certain type of brightness. You've got the stars, a certain type of brightness. And that's how it's going to be when it comes to glory also. All of them vary in beauty and brightness. You see this. Your present body is made for here, for time and earth. Your resurrected body is going to be a body that's made for heaven. Both will be bodies. But they are going to be different types of bodies. So what he's using, he's using these examples and saying, your pre-resurrection body and your post-resurrection body will both be physical bodies, but they will be different. And he's using this idea of sowing a seed and planting a seed to bring this example to life. And so he starts off by talking about seeds and flesh and he's talking about animals in terms of the different types of bodies. Then he transitions to verse 30, 42 and says this. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of the dead works the same way. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is, is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And he's saying his resurrection works the same exact way. He says, look, your body which is going to be sown, this body is perishable, but it's going to be raised imperishable. This body right here is sown in dishonor, but it's going to be raised in glory. This body is sown a natural body, but it's going to be raised in a spiritual body. Now, it's easy to misunderstand this because you think of spirituals that I'm going to be living the rest of my life as a spirit, right? And I told the first group, it's like we tend to think that I'm going to be sitting on a, on a cloud playing a harp for the rest of my life, right? Which I said would be awful for me because I can't play an instrument. So now I've spend the rest of eternity playing an instrument that I can't play very well, right? And what he's saying is, no, it means that right now is the natural body, this body right here was made for earth but the body that's going to be raised is made as a citizen of heaven. It's going to be raised in a way that I can actually have a physical body in heaven. It's a body that's consistent with the character of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying right there. And he's like, and how did this happen? Understand this. The very first Adam, he became a living being. God creates him from dust. The second Adam... Was a life-giving spirit. Who is the second Adam? Jesus, right? You always me, the answer is always Jesus, right? So the second Adam was a life-giving spirit. The first man was of dust. The second man came from where? Heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we have borne the image of Adam. He came from dust. We're going to die because of his sin. We're also going to bear the image of the man of who? The man of heaven, Jesus. And how do we get that? We place our faith in what he's done. You have to be renewed. This was difficult for Paul's audience to understand because they didn't believe in the resurrection of us. They didn't want the resurrection. They believed that this body was was awful. I want to get out of this body. I want to be released from this body. How many of you feel like that sometimes, right? Right? I want to get out of this body, right? I was telling the first group, I was like, I used to have a good time laughing at my mom and dad when, when I would, they would read something and they'd be like, wait a minute, and they gotta hold it out here, right? And oh, it was just the funniest thing. You can't read, <laughs> right? Guess who can't read now? Right? My wife gives me something to look. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. I gotta like bring it out here. I'm like, I can't read too close, right? And I, I will try hard not to wear my glasses. Because I feel like if I just deny it and don't look at it and don't wear my glasses, I could still hold on to hope that I don't need glasses. But I really, I do need glasses. Right? You come face to face with it very quickly um, with what's happening. And so the very first application that we see here, what Paul is showing them, is what is raised is both the same and different. If you're sown in Christ, what will be raised will be the same because it's literally a physical body, but it's different because it's not the same type of body. This body I'm in right now, this body that you're in right now is a body of death. It's perishing. If you don't believe me, just look around. It's breaking down. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but we're all getting older, right? That's the body that we're in now. But the body that will be raised is one that's made for heaven. And there's only one way that you're going to get that body is you need to be remade in the image of the one from heaven. (laughs) Your body needs to be remade and raised through him. And so that's what that's what Paul is trying to tell them and what he's showing them. There's gonna be an amazing change that takes place because the body you're in now is perishable, it's dishonorable, and it's weak, and it's gonna be one that's gonna become imperishable. There's gonna be glory and power. I'll be honest with you guys. I get sad. I get sad of getting older. It's hard. It's hard coming face to face. I never would have thought this before, but it's hard coming face to face with the fact that you're just getting older. And you know, you wake up when you go to bed. When you go to bed in the nighttime, and you wake up in the morning, you're like, "Man, why is my? Why am I hurting? All I did was go to sleep last night, right? And so things start to break down. I just get sad because I also think that, like, I'm looking at myself and my age right now. I remember when my dad was my age and I was young, and looking at him. You look at them as like invincible, right? And then I slowly watch my dad go downhill. And it makes me sad sometimes. I think about the same thing that's going to happen with me and my daughter. It just makes you sad. But the the only reason I can have hope is because I know that that is not the final answer. That death does not have the final answer. And not only that, that I'm not going to be sitting on a cloud playing a harp the rest of my life. That I'm going to be raised again bodily. But the body that I will be in is not like the body I'm in now, and there's only one way that you get it. You get it from Christ, and that's why when you see people today, when people are struggling with with sickness and disease, if you have no hope, then what you do is you look at this and you say, "I got a raw deal in this life. This was the only life I get, and I get I have to deal with it this way right here." Everybody know um Joni Ericsontada? Tata I, mean, I heard her name before, right? It's a woman who struggled with um. Gosh, when she, she had like an accident, when she was like paraplegic, and she had all these things that were wrong with her. And so she started off very angry in her life. But she began to understand what the Lord was doing in her life and the resurrection life. And so, what went to death in her life was her dreams and her hopes, and what she saw in a resurrection. Life now was what the Lord was doing through her and encouraging her and the ministry that she has now built now to encourage those. And so for her, it was not even just this idea of a physical death and resurrection because she's going to have a brand new body, but she's seeing this death and resurrection play out every single day, and she sees her life in those lens too. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about, not only in this particular verse right here, in all of 15. In all of his letters, in all of his life, he sees death and resurrection, death and resurrection, death and resurrection, and that is the hope that we have as believers too. But what he's talking about specifically in these verses is the body that we will inherit, and the body that we will have. The problem is we've all borne the image of the first Adam, and because of his sin, we are now in these bodies that are perishing. But the second Adam was wonderful because what he did enables us now to be reborn and have a body that is made to be with God forever. That's why the Apostle Paul says, flesh and blood, this body right here cannot inherit the kingdom of God, our present bodies. Now watch the hope that he shares in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. He's like, here, let me tell you a mystery. There's going to be a day when those who are alive in Christ The trumpet's going to sound, and they're going to be called up to the Lord. He's going to call them up. And those who are dead in Christ are going to be called up to the Lord also. And it's at that time they're going to receive their resurrection bodies. Here's what's going to happen. And he's telling it to them as a mystery. And he's like, and at that time, Scripture will be fulfilled. This goes back to the book of Hosea. Hosea 13, when he says, I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol, which is the grave, or like the abode the, the of the dead. I shall redeem them from death. O death, where are your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? Compassion is hidden from my eyes. Death has no power over the person that is found in Jesus Christ. God is not a God of the, li- of the dead. He's a God of the living. He brings life. God brings life. He's saying, so therefore, be steadfast in your work. Be steadfast in everything that you do, in your hope, in your faith, knowing that everything that you're doing, everything that you're believing is not in vain. Application number two is the victory is in the mystery of the resurrection. We have victory. This is not the final say. This is not the end right here. Death has been defeated because Jesus died and rose again. And that we will meet him one day and receive resurrection bodies. Work hard in everything that you do. And work as if for the Lord. Because what you do right now counts forever. You see that Adam was a man of dust. And in the garden, he was our representative. And during his time of temptation, he failed. And because he disobeyed, all of us who came from him are guilty. And there came another one. Who was a man of heaven. He too was our representative. He too was tempted when he came here. But he didn't disobey. He obeyed fully. And guess what? Because of him, we aren't found guilty. But he was for us. This person had to be our perfect representative. And he had to overcome death in the flesh. This person had to be fully man because it was man who committed the sin. But only God is perfectly sinless. So this person needs to be fully God and fully man. And Jesus Christ died to forgive us of our sins. And even before he dies, he says to two of his disciples in John 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. A seed never becomes a plant unless it's died and it's buried. Before there is resurrection, there must be a death. Jesus Christ came to take our sin, to take our punishment. He died and rose again so that we would be forgiven. And if you place your faith in Jesus, and if you trust in what he's done, you now experience and go through the same thing which he did, which is when there's a death, there's a resurrection. That's the hope that we have. That's where we place our hope and our faith. And how do we know? Well, you see, what happens after Jesus dies In John 20, he says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. And a little bit further, he says, then he says to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And even further, he says, come and have breakfast. But now none of the disciples dared ask him when he says, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so went the fish. Spirits don't eat fish. He came to them in the flesh after he died. And what he's saying is when you place your faith in me, guess what's going to happen to you too one day? You're going to be resurrected in the flesh. The beautiful thing about the story is that God wasn't saying your problem is you just need a little fix up here, a little change here. He was like, you have a huge problem. You need a Savior. And he didn't withhold anything from us. He didn't withhold his very best, which is his son. He gave his son's life. And Jesus died and rose again so that we too, would have resurrection life for those who placed their faith in him two weeks ago my daughter we sat in my office and she said to me sometimes those things just come out of her mouth she said to me do you miss your mom i was like yeah i miss my mom i miss my dad but i have hope that one day there's going to be a resurrection they're going to have physical bodies And so the bodies that I saw them in before they died are not going to be the bodies that they're going to live in forever. That they're going to be in resurrected bodies. That's when you begin to see and understand the love that Christ has for us. That he gave his own body so that we would have renewed bodies forever. That's the hope that we have. What is raised will be both the same and different if you're sown in Christ. Same physical body but different from this type of body. And the victory that we have is in the mystery which is this resurrection that we have. How do we know this? Because Jesus is the first fruit of all those who've fallen asleep. The first fruit is literally the first taste of the crop. And the first taste of this crop is Jesus. And because he died and rose again physically, we will be too. Jesus Christ is the image of who we were supposed to be, the image that we were meant to bear. And because now he died and rise again, and because when we place our faith in him, he lives in us too. And because he was raised one day into a full body, we too will be raised into a body with new life made up by the Spirit. Pray with me.